Hey everybody, it's Jason. I uh, wanted to stop in for a second and talk about all the news that are coming out of London right now uh, about Star Wars Celebration, all about all the new Star Wars projects coming out, uh, and kind of maybe give my take on what we're seeing, because I am absolutely excited about a whole bunch of stuff that's coming out right now. Um, and as you guys know, I think a lot of us just absolutely love Star Wars, so I, don't, I, want, and I just want to jump in and kind of maybe give my spin on a few different things. Um... First and foremost, like what we're seeing right now is that all the new Star Wars films are going to be and projects are going to be covering the entirety of the Star Wars continuum, if you will. So they announced earlier today uh, out of London that the whole slate of films and projects coming out are going to be coming from a series of eras that the current um, Lucasfilm regime is called uh, Dawn of the Jedi, the Old Republic, the High Republic, the Fall of the Jedi. Uh, Reign of the Empire, Age of the Rebellion, The New Republic, Rise of the First Order, and then, of course, there's going to be a, another film that we're going to talk about uh, taking place beyond, I would assume, Rise of the First Order, starring Daisy Ridley with the new films taking place after um, uh, The Last Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker. So um, let's talk a little bit about the films, the three films that we know have been announced. Hopefully that we'll see all three come to uh, fruition we've seen in the past maybe some films get announced and then they don't happen and things like that for a lot of different reasons and that could certainly be the case here um but i'm really excited actually about the very first one we're going to talk about which is james mangold taking on this film called dawn of the jedi which goes back to the very first jedi they are announcing it right now is this biblical epic and of course this makes like so much sense in so many different ways for a couple different reasons right um First and foremost, we have, I think, for a lot of the Star Wars universe, a lot of the Star Wars fandom, been begging to move beyond the Skywalker story. And it's not that we don't love Skywalker. We do, right? But we've had nine films that have largely centered on the Anakin, Luke, and I guess Rey continuum of Star Wars. And it's a big damn galaxy. And in fact, not only is it a big damn galaxy... We've been asking for this stuff and we're receiving stories about Star Wars for years and years and years through um, other mediums. Either it's role-playing games or video games or books or things like that. People want to explore the idea of Star Wars beyond this. And the whole biblical aspect of this is so smart because now we get a chance to go back and completely send, spend time talking about Star Wars in a way that is removed from the Skywalker uh, family line, removed from Tatooine, see new places uh, that maybe we haven't had a chance to see before. And of course, Star Wars has always been very heavily vested in this religious idea. Jedi themselves are these warrior monks. Um, so I'm really excited to see, especially with a guy like Mangold, who I think is really talented. I think he's really the right guy to do this story. It'll be interesting to see how this varies from, say, established stories in like the Legends uh, chronology and exactly how far back in time they go and what happens um, and how we see like the development of the Jedi. So, and who will stand in opposite the Jedi? Because obviously we're going to have to have some kind of conflict uh, set up. So, I'm excited about this idea. I think Mangold is the perfect guy. And, of course, now when you set this thousands of years earlier than the existing Star Wars continuum, you can play with new ideas, new developmental storylines, create new characters, 
Uh, and of course, hopefully have the opportunity to really deliver something that the fans really love. And of course, one of the other things is like now you can start to retcon in moving forward, maybe some of the other people, because uh, I think one of the things people have, asking, have been asking for are adaptations of the Knights of the Old Republic series, uh, the video games and so forth. And there's a big guy out there everyone's kind of waiting for, which is Revan. Uh, this series would presumably take place well before the Revan era happens. But if we're going to get a pre-pre-Star Wars, maybe eventually we'll get um, we'll get Revan uh, as well. So that, to me, is really, really exciting. Um, we also see the Dave Filoni, who people absolutely love, a lot of people absolutely love, for like kind of shepherding the current era of Star Wars that we see on uh, Disney+, Plus uh, right now with the Mandalorian series and some of these other stuff. He's going to direct a film that kind of ties in Mandalorian, ties in Ahsoka, ties in all of this other stuff, Book of Boba Fett, and they're saying this is going to be this grand action uh, feature. And this is actually going to tie into the Ahsoka thing that I'm going to talk about in a moment, which a more of the three films that I'm going to talk about right now, I am actually the least excited about this. I'm a little, little bit more cautious. I'm, I'm just really worried about how you're going to try to hand bone everybody into this particular thing. And this is what I'm talking about. These current Star Wars series that we're in right now, when we're talking about Mandalorian or Ahsoka or the Rebels or Clone Wars, things like that, they're all taking place post-Return of the Jedi. And that means it's taking place pre-sequel trilogy. One of the big things that Star Wars has been trying desperately to do is to work back in the Heir to the Empire trilogy, the Thrawn trilogy, if you will, into what is now canon. And for those of you who are un unaware of who Grand Admiral Thrawn is or the Heir to the Empire trilogy or anything like that, it really, those films, those books, excuse me, actually maintain a very important place in Star Wars chronology and also in the fandom. Because what happens is, post-Return of the Jedi, post-1983, Star Wars really loses a lot of steam. They're not selling a lot of books. They're not selling a lot of toys. By, say, 1989, the franchise really kind of feels stale, in a lot of ways, dead in the water. Lucas has said he's not going to make any more movies or anything like that. We're not seeing anything else. So, as a 12-year-old boy, there's no new Star Wars. All I've got is my, my old stuff. And then Timothy Zahn comes along and writes this amazing trilogy that, in my mind, completely resurrects Star Wars. Uh, he writes these three books, uh, Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Light Rising, and Last Command. And essentially, without spoiling anything for you, what they do is they take place about five years after Return of the Jedi, featuring the rise of this new um, new villain in Star Wars. In a lot of ways, I would argue he's the single best villain we've ever had. His name is Grand Admiral Thrawn. He's a member of the Chiss species. He's blue. He's got this blue skin with these red eyes, and he's he's impossibly intelligent. Um, in a lot of ways, a much better foil to Luke, Han, and Leia, and the New Republic than really even the Emperor ever was. He's just a smarter, more calculating guy. He's colder in a lot of ways. The way that he manipulates things, the way that, that uh, Zahn writes him. And the reception to these to these books as they come out in the early 90s is amazing. You can, you can kind of hear John Williams' soundtrack playing in the back of your head. And as a result of those, uh, as a result of those books, you start to see a new reinvigoration of Star Wars. People start to get excited again. Now you see a new store, a new toy line coming out in I think '95, 
Lucas starts to double uh, starts to play around again. We see the re-release of Star Wars, the special editions in '97, and of course we get start getting the the prequels in '99. But I don't think any of that happens without Timothy Zahn and this impossibly perfect character he's created uh, in in, uh, in Grand Admiral Thrawn. And there are other amazing characters: Mira Jade, uh, Talon Card. We see the we see the uh, the eventual. Um, after these books come out, there's a whole slide of other books, and we start to see the eventual rise of the children of Han and Leia, of Luke and Mara Jade, um, and where this Star Wars stories goes. Now, eventually, those all, all kind of get retconned and put into um, the Legends timeline, which really upset a lot of the Star Wars fandom, because I think we were all waiting for a film series of that. So to kind of make the Star Wars fans happy they've tried to work in thrawn into these new uh series uh via cartoons and now the the uh tv shows and i, I would imagine eventually this will culminate in a thrawn as bad guy film where everyone's got to kind of rise up to defeat thrawn so i don't know how they're going to do it of course i'm going to be cautiously optimistic uh i'm excited and about the Ahsoka trailer, which I was just messaging a friend of mine, I think I've watched about 45 times now this morning. That I am absolutely excited about. I think Rosario Dawson's perfect casting for this character. And we do see, briefly, Grand Admiral Thrawn, but we don't see who's playing him. Uh, I've had my hopes out for years. I've always thought that Benedict Cumberbatch would be the perfect person to play Grand Admiral Thrawn. Either he or Jason Isaacs, I think, would also be... Um, Amazing. So I don't know exactly who we're going to see as Thrawn, but I'm excited uh, for that series to take place and see where we're going to go. You know, when Ahsoka's character first came out uh, in the Clone Wars series, you know, it, it's been one of these really interesting turnabouts because she went from this this kind of little kid who was following Anakin around, and the fandom was kind of iffy on her to where she's become one of the most beloved characters in all of Star Wars, and I love what they're doing with her story. So um, let's see where that goes. Again, that's the one where I'm kind of uh, cautiously... I'm not cautiously optimistic. I, I saw her fire up those twin lightsabers. Then we saw Rafe Stevenson and opposite her, and he looks amazing as some kind of Star Wars villain. I, this guy he's going to be playing, I'm not familiar with him at all, but he's got that gravelly voice. He, he just... It just looks the part. There's sometimes when they cast Star Wars and they nail it, and they absolutely did um, with his with his role. We'll see. We'll see what this series looks like. But there was this great line towards the end of the trailer. If you haven't had a chance to see it yet, where it's like, you know, perhaps it's time to start again. And that's just boys that ever hit the head, you know, right on, hit the, hit the nail right on the head. Um, finally, I want to talk about this other film. Uh, that's going to be fe featuring uh, the return of Daisy Ridley as Rey Skywalker, um, directed by Charmaine, and forgive me if I'm spelling, uh, pronouncing the name right, Obaid Shinoy, right? I'm not familiar with her work. Um, apparently, she's directed some stuff like Miss Marvel and Saving Face. I'm not familiar with, the, with, with that stuff, but uh, or I haven't watched it. But I'm excited, actually, for Daisy Ridley. I don't know how, how if I can summon a whole lot of excitement for post sequel trilogy. I I've gone and gone on record. I, I just hate the sequel trilogy for so many reasons, but not because of Davies E. Ridley, not because of John Boyega, not because of the cast of the films. Actually, I feel like the films in a lot of ways were cast really well. 
I feel like the characters deserve better stories than they got. I feel like we as Star Wars uh, fandom deserved better stories than what we got because what we ended up getting was this hot mess of three films that hit and missed in a lot of different ways. They were just so uneven. There was no clear direction. There was a pandering to the audience, a dumbing down of Star Wars. And in fact, one of the great things about Star Wars that I think appealed to me not only as a person, but as as an adult, uh, and I've talked about this elsewhere, was this trust in the audience that there was this other history that we don't know. And of this fallen fallen republic, these Jedi, all of these different things, and it just became too generic. Uh, I can go into this a little bit later on. I just feel like the sequels, try as they may, didn't deliver. And I think we, you know, I know people are going to talk about Last Jedi. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Look, it's it's like mayonnaise. Some of you guys like it on your sandwiches. I feel like it great. I just feel like we deserved better. So we get this new film with Ray picking up 15 years after the First Order is defeated. First Order is stupid. How, how do we have the First Order? Then then there's the Resistance. I I never understood it. It never made any sense. It was never plotted out. If you had gone with a guy like Timothy Son, who had really plotted out what Star Wars would look like, how the Empire was still dangerous even after the fall of the Emperor and Darth Vader, and there was a, still this this giant you know Imperial regime, this machine out there that could still overwhelm a fledgling Republic, you would have had a much better series. But we. The name, no, it's just bad. Even the Stormtroopers looked awful. Um, but we're going to get it. So what can we hope for? Well, I'm hoping that Daisy Ridley finally gets the film she deserves. Because I thought she was excellent. I loved her character, Ray in Star Wars, uh, in the sequel trilogy. When I talk about the high points of the sequel trilogy, I think Ray is actually one of them. I think she's absolutely terrific. Um, so what will happen? You know, it'll be interesting to see how they rebuild. Do you kind of go in some ways like what Kevin J. Anderson wrote in the Star Wars books in the Jedi Academy series, which came out after the, uh, after the Thrawn trilogy? where Luke was running around trying to find all these remnants and these Force-sensitive people and these uh, Jedi survivors. It's a big damn galaxy. Certainly some of them are going to be out there, right? So is Rey going to be doing that? Is she going to be running around the galaxy? Is she going to be in the Millennium Falcon? Because that's Chewbacca's ship. I don't care. That's Chewbacca's ship. But aside from that, will she be in love? Will she be a parent? Will we revisit the idea of attachments for Jedi? You know, one of my favorite lines in Jedi, actually, in Star Wars fandom, is actually the idea of Eulet Keldroma and Nomi Sunrider. Uh, back in the Tales of the Jedi series, if you've, ever, if you've ever read any of those comics, they were beautiful. Nomi was the widow of another Jedi, falls in love with this other guy. Eulet Keldroma has one of the great Ascension and falls in all of Star Wars series. I'm dying for a series on that. He's still my favorite uh, Star Wars character, he and Obi-Wan. So, will we revisit that? Who's going to be the foil to Rey? Will we ever get rid of this dumb rule of two? For those of you who aren't familiar, there's the idea, uh, started by uh, Darth Bane, that there could only be a master and apprentice. There couldn't be multiple Sith. Uh, I've never liked it. I've always felt like it it, it it 
kept the Sith from being even a better villain to, uh, to the Jedi. So, um, I'm hopeful. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this will be the opportunity to maybe do post star, post Skywalker stuff, post return of the Jedi stuff, even better. But again, my concern overall is unlike what we're getting with James Mangold, Dawn of the Jedi, here we are set ourselves back in the Skywalker stories. Again, it's a big damn galaxy. You've got an infinite timeline. Let's go find uh, something else. Now, one of the things I'm actually excited about is actually this Skeleton, skeleton Crew series, right? Which is going to follow, which is apparently going to follow Jude Law and a bunch of kids banging around the galaxy. I don't know much about it, but these are the kinds of stories that I think interest me. Is like you can take the idea of Star Wars, and this is one of the things that I think Andor did so well. We know how intertwined the character of uh, of Andor is to what happens with. Uh, the Death Star and all that, but they exposed this Star Wars galaxy that was, you know, separated from Luke, Leia, the Force, Yoda, Jedi, lightsabers. It was just other things going on. Let's see what stories you can create. Hell, one day I would love to see like a romantic comedy set in the Star Wars universe. You know, what is a mob movie? look like in the Star Wars universe. Like these are the things that I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of curious to, uh, to see here. So, um, I don't know. I just, we'll see what happens with it. Um, there's also this series called the Acolyte. Uh, okay, sure. I'm, I'm down on that. The other thing I want to talk to you guys about real, real quick was actually the, um, uh, other trailer that we saw for Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. And as excited as I was to watch the Ahsoka trailer and see the Mangold stuff, and I'm a Star Wars guy first and foremost, it's always going to be first in my heart, but Indiana Jones is right there, number two. This film looks like maybe the concluding Indiana Jones we've asked for. I, you know, Crystal Skull itself was was a real miss as well. You know, it seemed like Luke was film between the sequel trilogy and Crystal Skull were just in a real rut. And this new film, the way it's being portrayed, what we're seeing, if you haven't chance have if you haven't had a chance to go watch watch the trailer, please absolutely go do so. It the music. I can't tell you how excited I am about Phoebe Waller Bridge playing Indiana Jones's goddaughter. Um I feel like the tone of this film captures what Indiana Jones Always was, say, at least in the first three films um, that Crystal Skull missed out on. I feel like she is a much better, uh, I don't want to say sidekick. You know, there's there's the idea that maybe they're handing off the Indiana Jones series to her instead of uh, Shia LaBeouf's mutt, you know, um, his, uh, his son. It just captures it right, and I look, I look at Matt Mickelson, who looks like the perfect Indiana Jones bad guy. We start to see, you know, maybe it offers us the opportunity to one last time say goodbye to Indiana Jones, you know, and some of the other characters that we've seen. Hear the music one last time, 
they're playing with these ideas of time. Looks like maybe time travel almost or redoing time. As an archaeologist, boy, does that ever make a lot of sense. Certainly as a lot of it, as a historian as well. I'm really excited about this movie. It's, I can't tell you how excited I am to see Indiana Jones and Dial Dusty because it feels right. The movie feels right. So hopefully it's good. So those are a couple quick uh, thoughts on Star Wars, on uh, Indiana Jones. If you're listening here, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on where you think Star Wars is going to go, where you think Indiana Jones is going to go. Right now, where I want to go is to the store and buy a whole bunch of Star Wars toys and put them up here in in my office because why not? I am so fired up. Please, Hasbro, I want a Fondor Hallcraft. You cannot give that to me in... Uh, and or and not let me have that. I need that on my shelf somehow, some way. So, anyway, hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, keep tuning in and uh, may the force be with you. Talk to you later. Bye.